0: Red Rocks Church, how we doing? Oh, I love you guys, man. Hey, let's keep that energy going really quick for all of our Denver-based locations. Show some love. Our Brussels campus, our Austin, Texas location, both of our God Behind Bars campuses, and everybody watching online right now, I hope that you're as happy as all of us here are right now. It seems like you guys are happy to be in church. I like it. It's going to be a good week of church, man. I believe that with all my heart. It's a good day to be in church. Um, If I don't know you, my name is Doug Weckenman. I pastor our Austin location, and we are three weeks away, three weeks away from our our launch, all right? So I'm like uh, cheering on the outside, but I'm kind of like nervous and sweating on the inside because it's kind of like go month for us. There's a lot to do. Um, We we, uh, got out there in July, and we've been building kind of like a core team of awesome Red Rockers who are just bought into this vision and like community is happening out there. Something, Something's stirring and something's happening. It's so exciting to be a part of it. It feels like there's like momentum brewing, like a wave that we're just paddling really hard right now trying to catch and there's a surf metaphor for Christmas season, you're welcome, and we launch on January 6th and I tell you all of that because you are now accountable and obligated to pray for us. Will you pray for us? Will you? Do you promise? (laughs) Promise? Okay. Thank you. We need it. Please pray. We feel your prayers. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read three verses. It's all we need. Three verses from the NIV, and then the same three verses from the message version, okay? And, and you, you've probably heard, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard these verses. They're famous, okay? Which begs the question, how do Bible verses become famous? I think it's because we we elevate what we want to emulate, and it if it rhymes, you just know it's true. You can just trust that, right? I think that we tend to make much of the, uh, the things that deep, deep down we know that we, we really need. And these three verses are an invitation to anybody who's tired. All right. Anybody who is stressed out, an invitation to the weary, an invitation to the burdened, to those who are worn out and burnt out right now. If you feel hurried, if you feel rushed, if you feel like you're falling behind of the race, like am I speaking to anybody in the Christmas season in 2018, right? This is an invitation from Jesus Christ. Maybe the greatest invitation, second to only your salvation. And he's giving it to you in three verses right here. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Here we go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Right? Off to a good start. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. Keep in mind, this is, this is Jesus, God with skin and bones on, right? Like this is the playwright, who took the stage. This is the star breather who became a baby, right? Like if you wanna know what God is like, Jesus is the perfect representation of God. Just look at Jesus and this is Jesus saying to you, I am gentle and I am humble in heart and in me you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, keep, keep that word in mind, yoke. My yoke is easy and my burden is Light. Isn't that awesome? Like, that's just, like, if you read the Bibles, um, if you read the Bible, the Bibles, the, there's one Bible, the Gospels, <laughs> the four Gospels about the life of Jesus, you will, um, you'll, you'll notice that he had a certain rhythm and a certain pace that he walked through life with. He was the most wanted, sought after human being who ever walked the face of this planet, right? Very, very busy. Jesus was a busy guy, and yet every single day, without fail, Jesus was relaxed. He was relaxed and present in the moment, and Jesus was never hurried. He was never in a hurry. Dallas Willard has a very famous quote about hurry. Here it is. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You think of like all the things that could be the great enemies of your spiritual life. He's saying, Hurry is the great enemy. You must, and listen to this language, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate it. Okay, so let's look at the same three verses from the message. If you've never heard it from the message, this is Eugene uh, Peterson's paraphrase of it. You're gonna love this, okay? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? Remember, just because you tried religion or even church doesn't necessarily mean that you tried Jesus. This is Jesus saying, hey, are you burnt out on religion? Come to me Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. And I think such a critical part about following Jesus is matching the pace or the rhythm of Jesus, right? This next sentence, this is awesome. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That sounds like you're at the spa. That like makes you wanna take like a big, deep breath. The unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and you will learn to live lightly. And we could just read that and say amen and call it a day and I'll go home and that would be enough, but I'll get fired if we do that. So we gotta keep going. I'm kidding, I have a pretty chill boss, Uh, we're good. But I have a lot uh, I wanna unpack about this because I think if Jesus were alive in Denver right now for Christmas in 2018, I think he'd love it, man. I think he'd get a kick out of it. I think he'd love the people and the parties and the peppermint lattes and Park Meadows. Like, I really, I think he'd love all of it. And so I've been asking myself this question. What would Jesus do if he were me this Christmas season in this no notoriously busiest season of our already busy lives right wwjdtc what would jesus do this christmas and dallas willard's quote stood out to me i think jesus would ruthlessly eliminate hurry from his life and be present this Christmas, okay? So I said ruthlessly eliminate hurry, not necessarily busyness. Those two things are two different things. Busyness is an external reality and being hurried is an internal condition of your soul. You know what I'm saying? Like, if your, if your soul is hurried, you will never feel like you are thriving in this life. You just won't. You will, you will only ever feel like you are barely surviving the current season, trying to get to the next season, which inevitably will have the same story for you as the current season. And so, my question for you, Red Rocks, at all of our locations, what would it look like for you? to match the pace of Jesus and ruthlessly eliminate hurry and be present for the most wonderful yet busiest time of the year, be present. And so if you're taking notes, we're gonna call this sermon, wait for it, Christmas Presence. So let's just all take a second, appreciate this pun that I worked so hard on. Wow, Doug, that's incredible. That's gonna stick with me. Thank you, I know. Let's pray. God, we invite your spirit into all of these spaces. Jesus, shut the door on our distractions and give us just one peaceful hour of just being in church right now. Just because we're, we're busy on the outside does not mean we have to be hurried on the inside. And so teach us how. In the name of Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. All right. Loud and proud, where are my Christmas movie fans at in the house? Let me hear you. Christmas movie fans. Okay. Here's what we're going to do right now. We're going to find out which gender knows more about Christmas movies. Okay? So here's what we're going to do. It's provocative already, right? Like, this is getting everybody going. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I am going to quote or kind of act out some of the most famous lines from some of our most treasured Christmas movies, okay? And as soon as you know the movie, you yell out the movie, and then you get a point for your team. Does that sound good? You get a point for your team. Ladies versus the fellas. I just have a feeling the fellas are gonna win this. That's not biased. It's just my feeling. Ladies, prove me wrong. Are you ready? All right, all of our other campuses, yell them out. I'm not there to be the ref, but God is. That's scary. That's scary. You get to yell in church today. Okay, here we go. Number one. You ready? All right. Oh, Eddie, if I woke up tomorrow morning with my head sewn to the carpet, I don't think I'd be more surprised than I am right now. I heard you, but I had to finish the quote. I think that was a guy. It was a girl? Okay, you're passionate about it. I'll give that to the ladies. Ladies one, fellas none, is that? Okay, there's seven total. Guys, you're the underdogs as of right now. Nobody believes in you, but that's where we shine, right? All right, number two, here we go. Christmas came, no weenie whistle. Santa Claus, right here. I'm impressed, not bad. That's two for the ladies. Two for the ladies, okay. Number three, my favorite. This one will go quick. Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. Home Alone, Home Alone, Home Alone, yes. I don't know who that was. Like, somebody help me out here. Who got that? Was that, okay, so is it really three nothing, ladies? Is it really three nothing? Hey, there's seven total. Four in a row, guys, right here. If a guy gets this one, okay, like, this might be the hardest one right here. Okay, here we go. Iris, if you were a melody... I used only the good notes. That's ladies for nothing. Ladies, okay. See if you can go for a sweep, all right? Let's try that. The Holiday secretly, guys, my favorite Christmas movie. Hans Zimmer does the score. I listened to it while I was writing this sermon. That movie is so good. Don't tell anybody I told you that. Okay, number five. Four o'clock, wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. The ladies, I know, okay, it's five-nothing. I just wanna finish the quote. Five o'clock, Shaw of World Hunger, tell no one, right? Five-nothing, ladies, here we go. I'm gonna sing for this next one, all right? I'm gonna sing, here we go. I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my toes. Love Actually for six-nothing. Guys, are you serious? Get one, I don't know what's happening at the other campuses. Ladies are up, six nothing right now. Here we go, last but not least, for all the marbles, okay? You sit on a throne of lies. You smell like beef and cheese. I heard a guy in the back, Elf. You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. There it is. Oh, man. Well, ladies, I don't know if it's possible to win Christmas, but you just did. (laughs) Kudos to you. Congratulations. Um, One more participatory experience, really quick. On the count of three, I want everybody at every campus to yell out your favorite Christmas movie. You don't have to. It's a free country, but this church is like youth group for adults, okay? We're gonna have some fun. You get to yell, on three, your favorite Christmas movie, okay? One, two, three. (laughs) If you said Elf, you got the correct answer and you get another point. These points like don't matter, but like they kind of do at the same time, you know, they make you feel good. Elf is becoming, other than the holiday, my favorite Christmas movie. Like year after year, I love it more and more. I love Buddy. I love Buddy the Elf. He's kind of like a role model, a hero of mine in a lot of ways. And here's why. I'll sum it up like this. Just because everybody is this way or does things this way doesn't mean that Buddy does it the same way, right? So nobody else has any Christmas spirit. Nobody else believes in Santa, but Buddy does, right? Nobody else has spaghetti with syrup and and crumbles of Pop-Tarts for breakfast, but Buddy does, right? Like everybody else is afraid to sing in public. They're too embarrassed, but Buddy's not, right? Buddy will sing, Loud and proud, right? And he's becoming an inspiration to me, right? Like I'm singing, I'm in a church and I should be preaching, but I'm singing. See, he's a role model. He's my hero, right? That's another point for me. I have two. Um, and here's my really good transition, all right? Just because, just because our world and everybody in it is hurried and rushed with this never-ending race that we're in, trying to keep up with the Joneses as like finite beings in a now infinite world, right? Never present in the present moment. Just because that's a pattern of the world does not mean that we have to be does not mean I have to be does not mean that that's something that you have to conform to right just because hurry sickness is now a real medical condition that most of us if not all of us deal with does not mean that we are called to conform to it it doesn't mean we are called to conform to it John Mark Comer he um yeah. Well, you know what? Before we do that, let's do this because hurry sickness is like an epidemic right now. And, and, and I think like if I'm the enemy, I'm gonna play this card all day long, okay? Here's what you need to know. John 10.10 10 says that, that Jesus has come so that you would have abundant life, but there's an enemy here at the same time who wants to steal and kill and destroy And it's important as Christians that we're aware of both of those things. And here's why. Even if you're not a Harry Potter fan, even if you've never read the books or seen any of the movies, you've heard of the name Voldemort. He's the bad guy. But in the movies, they never call him Voldemort. What do they call him? He who must not be named or you know who because they know as soon as they say his name, they have to acknowledge the fact that he's real. So they never say it until the final movie when you know who and all of his followers, all of his little minions are are getting ready to storm the castle in one final epic battle of good versus evil, which sounds very metaphorically familiar to you. I don't know about me. Well, all the, uh, like to me, I don't know about you. While all the good guys and the teachers are are fortifying the walls and ready themselves to, readying themselves to keep the bad guys out, okay? And, uh, and one of the characters says to Professor McGonagall, he says, Professor, do you really think we can keep you-know-who out indefinitely? And she says, of course I don't but we can slow him down. And then she says, like, the coolest quote, I think, in the entire series. She says, oh, and by the way, his name is Voldemort. You might as well use it, because he's going to try and kill you either way, all right? So Christians, you have an enemy, you do. He's real, and you might as well acknowledge him. Not elevate him, but acknowledge him because he's going to try to steal from you and kill you and destroy you either way, and once you acknowledge him, then you can actually do something about him in your life and and do something about the the main weapon that he deploys against you, which is telling you subtle lies that are 90% true but have power to bring down your life, and one of those, those lies, I think that is the most common that he whispers in the ears of American Christians in 2018 is this. You have to do everything. You have to be at everything. You have to hurry up. You have to rush. You can't fall behind because they're watching. And what do they think if you fall behind? And you have to, right? And that's why hurry sickness is a real thing now. Right, John Mark Comer. He he, like I learned so much from this guy about this topic. He uses psychology today's definition of hurry sickness to explain this. Here it is: hurry sickness. It is a behavior pattern in which a person feels chronically short of time, and so tends to perform every task faster, and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay. And so when you have this continuous sense of rushing, right, and you change, you you change like lines, like where you're at the grocery store when you're trying to check out, because to save thirty seconds by going in that line, right, or you pull up to a red light and you count the cars in each lane, and then you change lanes to the to the lane that has fewer cars, right. And, and, and like, at the airport, you get, like, mad at the universe or whatever or whoever because your flight is delayed or in traffic. You're like, of course, somebody had an accident on my highway, right? Like, I'm trying to get somewhere, right? And, like, over the years, you feel, like, more chronically just more irritable and kind of just, like, more out of breath. And you have a harder time just kind of being in the present. Even with loved ones, it's hard to, like, really, really be there. And your soul is restless. And even when you do stop to breathe, your soul is restless restless and keep going, keeps going, and it's kind of hard to, like, catch a breath, right? And you like you don't even have time, as much time anymore, for the most important things in life, like like cooking a healthy meal or exercising or, like, spiritual disciplines, like, those things that we should make, like, the priorities in our life. Oftentimes, those are the first things to go. Like, yeah, read the Bible or, or pray right now. Like, I don't have time for that. That's the first thing out of here, right? And, like, if you're relating to any of these symptoms or you feel deep down in your soul, like, out of breath at all, then and you are experiencing right now the new normal. The new normal. And I don't have to like convince you that that's the new normal. But what if we just like, what if we like pressed pause in the middle of this crazy busy season, pressed pause in church and just asked ourselves like, man, can things be different? Should things be different? Just because it's normal for everybody else Should it be normal for me? Or is it actually possible to be present for Christmas? Because Jesus would be, right? Busy, absolutely, but relaxed, present, not hurried. And as his followers, I think one of the main things we should do is match the rhythm and the pace of the one that we are trying to follow, right? And that's his invitation to us. Come with me. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. The rhythms of grace are real. His burden is easy and his yoke, his yoke is light, right? So look at that word yoke. Because if you're anything like me, you're thinking, Jesus, I don't have time to not be busy, right? Like, look at my life. Look at my Google calendar, right? Look at, like, that's real stuff, right? Like, I am so busy. But listen to me, this is important. A yoke is not about how to not be busy, A yoke is all about how to not be hurried internally okay? A yoke was a common tool back in Jesus' day, a wooden cross piece that fastened over the necks of two oxen pulling one plow, and because they were yoked with each other, it allowed them to walk in sync and work together and accomplish way more than they could without the yoke. I've even heard Chad say that when you come beneath the yoke of Jesus, oftentimes what you'll find yourself doing is accomplishing more with less effort and more time left over, and if that's not good news today, I don't know what is, right? If that's not good news, because sometimes we think like, man, this whole God thing, this whole church thing, this is just another thing that I gotta add to my to-do list, right? And I already got so much, like I I got school, I've got work, right? We just, we just moved, God, and just had a baby, right? And now we're, we're planting a church, right? Or I've got family, I've got kids, and they've got homework assignments, and they've got sports games, right? And the car needs to be fixed again, and dinner needs to be made again tonight, and, and the dog needs to be walked, and snow needs to be shoveled, right? And there's company coming in town next week, and then for New Year's after that, we're going out of town. I haven't even bought Christmas presents. I haven't even sent out a Christmas card and now you're telling me I need to supplement all of that with Jesus too. And I'm telling you, no, that's actually not Christianity. Jesus did not come to be another task. He came to give you a new life and offer you a yoke for that life, okay? So follow me. There's a theologian named Frederick Bruner and he points out the fact that a yoke is a, a work instrument, And so when Jesus offers us a yoke, we read that and we're like, wait, wait, like that's the last thing that already exhausted workers need, right? Like, Jesus, I don't need a tool right now, like I need some strong eggnog, right? I don't need like more stuff. I need a day at the spa, right? I need I need a vacation. But Jesus did not come to be another thing on your to-do list. He came to give you peace in the midst of your to-do list. He is not a supplement, church. He is a savior. And he has not come just to improve portions of your life. He has come to give you a completely new life and a completely new way of carrying that life. Because life's amazing, but it can be hard. Like, and we can say that in church, right? Life, life can be just like a succession sometimes of busyness and, and chaos and, and problems, right, and obligations, and I think God knows that, and so that's why instead of offering us an escape, he offers us equipment, a yoke, an invitation from Jesus to match his pace and to maybe find ourselves accomplishing more with less energy and more time left over come and experience the rhythms of grace this christmas season right and so that sounds like it sounds good it's like well yeah that may, yeah, that makes sense i would love that how the heck do i do that cuz i feel so hurried all the time and i can't just decide not to be hurried right i get that and so I wanted to just leave you with two things and you can, you can take these two things and apply them at your own will, do with them what you want, chew on these later, but I wanna leave you with two practical things that I would like to talk about for the rest of this, of this message. And here's the first one, here's the first one. Do you have a phone or does your phone have a human? I'm not anti-phone guy, I just wanna talk, okay? I just wanna <laughs> talk want to talk. I, 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 I brought my phone. It's in my pocket while I'm preaching, okay? That's called an addiction, okay? I'm not anti-phone guy. I just like, I'm not against me having a phone, but I am against my phone having me. Because if we can just have real talk, the world has changed a lot in the last decade. We live in a new, a new world now, guys, ever since June 29th, 2007. What happened on that day? iPhone, Steve Jobs set his iPhone free into the wild. And now, on average, we use this thing 150 times every single day. You are now more connected to, to information and opportunities, right? Then that you, like you're inundated with this 24 hours a day now. Our world truly has become infinite because of this. And we are finite beings who now have an infinite supply, which is why when you lose this thing, that's why you like... Ugh, oh, you feel like an addict without a drug, right? Like, is that, is that harsh or is that just real? Because if you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you need to reach for is a drink, it's a sign of alcoholism. If you wake up in the morning and the first thing that you just need to reach for before you even say good morning to your spouse is this, like, do you have a phone or does your phone have a human? Because the point of technology is to make our lives better, to make our lives more efficient, to save us time, right? So so John Mark Homer uh, made, the, made this point also. Back in the 1960s, I wasn't alive then, but I've learned a lot about it. And that was like the decade a lot of time-saving technology was being invented. So awesome stuff like the dishwasher, right? And the microwave and toasters and all these things designed to, to save us time. And sociologists of the day, they were really worried because they thought the main problem we'd have in the future future is too much leisure time and not enough to do, all right? In 1967, there was a famous uh, Senate subcommittee that actually predicted that by 1985, Americans would work 27 hours a week, 22 weeks a year, all right? So what happened? Like, the technology worked and saved us time, but what did we do with all the extra time? We just jam packed it with more stuff, right? Made ourselves busy with the extra time, which shows you and follow me right here that busyness is not a time scarcity problem. Busyness is a human heart condition and our need to, to constantly perform and achieve and keep up and fill the free time that we do have with more opportunities to do that, right? Which is why like, if, like you don't need an extra hour in the day. <laughs> I don't need that either. Like tomorrow, if starting tomorrow, God gave you an extra hour every single day, 25 hours instead of 24, Like you would not delegate that hour like, okay, this is my, my Sabbath hour my silence and solitude, like I'm gonna rest to be ready for the other 24. No, you would fill it with more stuff to do, right? So it's like Jesus' mercy on us to only give us 24 hours in a day or else we'd be even more exhausted than we are now. Like, have you noticed that like busyness is the badge of honor in our culture, right? And now with our phones, we have more of an opportunity than ever before to never not be busy, right? Because while you're resting, somebody else is doing something and getting farther ahead than us, right? Because it used to be people would just come home from work and that's it, but now people are doing it all the time, which is why none of us feel like we can rest because nobody else is resting and I'm not anti-phone guy, right? Like I I think technology is here and has so much potential to make our lives better if you have it, not if it has you. And I just wanna ask you the question, what does self-control with infinity in your front pocket look like for you? What does stewardship of this look like, right? Because I think the world has patterns when it comes to even, even like a phone, right? Like First Thessalonians 5, 6 says, so then let us not be like others. And I think that's just another way of saying let us not be conformed to the world's patterns. The world, others, who are asleep, right, lulled asleep, but rather let us be awake and let us be sober, right, because lasting life and lasting joy and peace is found in the present moment because that's where Jesus is, right, he's a God of the present, and it's hard just to, it's hard to to be here when you're here, right? Even Simon Sinek, he's an author, and he would say, man, your brain, when it's dialed into something, kind of loses a lot of its creativity and health. It's when we're, we're not dialed in and you put your phone down, that creativity kind of comes back to life. That's why you have your best ideas like while you're, you're running or in the shower or lying awake in bed at night when you don't have your phone because you're in the moment, right? And, and so, uh, like, I think that there are Questions that we need to ask. And I don't think it's something like there's, there's one um, set of conditions we need to put on everybody. I think this is an individual thing. I just think we each need to be asking ourselves, man, do I have a phone or does my phone have a human? And is this adding to my life or am I... Am I just more and more out of breath because I've never had more opportunities to compare myself to other people? I've never had more things I could constantly be doing. I've never had infinity at my fingertips as a finite human being. And so what does stewardship of that infinity look like for you? Look look like for you? And what does self-control with your phone, what, what should it look like for you in the future? That's all I'm gonna say about that. That's for you to chew on and let's go I have one more and ban you guys can come back out one more just practical way um, I think we can be present this Christmas season and I don't just mean like 10 o'clock Christmas Eve when you can finally just kind of collapse on your couch and all the craziness is over and you can finally breathe. I'm talking about like present even in the busyness, right? Not hurried even in the craziness of Park Meadows, right? Like, and here's another thing I think we can all do and just hear this. Let this bless your soul. You are allowed to say no because you're a human being you are allowed to say no, because remember, our internal hurry state is a great enemy of our health and our relationship with God, and so sometimes you just gotta get less busy. And I used to think that was like a selfish thing, like this idea of saying no, right? But, but when, when you say no and you become less busy, that means you become less hurried, and less hurried means, means more healthy, which means that my wife, if I say no, my wife gets a healthier husband. Right, like wives, like you get a healthier husband. Husbands, you get a healthier wife. Your kids get healthier parents when we say no. And we, and sometimes that's just something like you just gotta make a decision to say no, okay? So my wife, she's very decisive when it comes to the big things, right? So five years ago, she was the one who made the decision we are gonna plant ourselves as a family like in Red Rocks Church. Like, so she's good at that, but when it comes to the small daily decisions, like not so much, okay? So this leads me to the... uh the kitchen section at Target, when we were registering for gifts for our wedding, we got in a huge fight over which plates and bowls to buy, okay? Because there's now so many options. So we're standing there and she's not decisive when it comes to this stuff. And we're like, oh my gosh, like for these bowls, do we go ceramic or do you go wood? And if you go ceramic, do you go glossy or do you go matte finish, right? And should we get the set of four or should we get the set of eight? There's only two of us, but what if we entertain and what if we have kids before? we're planning on having kids. And and do we go with the classic white because it's guaranteed to always match the towels? Or are we feeling crazy and we want to go with like gray or light blue? And I'm not kidding, my wife in that aisle at Target started crying and we got into a fight because nobody likes to make decisions. And now there's just a million options for everything from bowls at Target to shows to watch on Netflix to places to go to eat or to Christmas shop or things for you to to read or watch or play on your phone. And all that, here's what it's funny, all the studies are showing that the more and more our options go up, the more and more our happiness is going down. Why? Because of FOMO because we fear of missing out because saying yes to one thing comes at the expense of saying no to all the other things and we fear the regret that we're gonna feel but here's what I've learned about decision making the pain of decision- making okay it's not in the actual decision and the making of the decision the pain is like is in the torture that you sit in while you're indecisive and you call it being thorough but really you're just too scared to make a choice right I heard a pastor say man sometimes the best thing that maybe you could do after church today is to go home and just make three decisions of things that you've been putting off. Even if you're not 100% sure, just make the decisions. You will feel like you just spent a day at the spa, right? Indecisiveness. And sometimes maybe the best thing you can do is just go home and decide to say no to three things, okay? Say no to three things. You're human, you're allowed to say no. Think of it this way in the musical world. Every song, not like, Every song does not have every note. Does that make sense? Every musician knows, Scott, you can back me up here. Every musician knows that you have to say no to some notes or else it's not a song, it just becomes noise, right? You're not saying no to any notes, you're saying yes to everything. That is no longer a song, dear God, that sounds so awful. That is no longer a song, that is now just noise. And is anybody just honest enough to admit in church, like, yeah, that sounds a lot like my life right now. Not a song, because I'm saying yes to every every note. My life is just noise. You can stop. That was that was wonderfully bad. Thank you, buddy. To quote Jack Black from the holiday. What if you used only the good notes? What are the main things and the most important things like in your life? Because here's what I'm learning already, like as I get older, as, as options go up and we move into the future and I, I, I become, like there's more responsibilities that I have, right? Like I'm learning it, like you really have to fight to give the most important things in your life the most important spots in your life or else or else those will be filled with good things, but not great things, not the things that you value, right? You really, really have to fight for that. Otherwise you say yes to everything and and soon it it transitions from a song to just white noise that lulls you to, to sleep, right? And I think God is saying, hey, you don't need more time. You just need more rhythm in your life. Grace is a rhythm and less notes like it was it was i think mozart who said i write masterpieces not because of the notes i choose but because of the notes that i don't choose that's how i write masterpieces and i think god's been challenging me man can you live a better song or is it just noise we were not made to do everything, right? You're allowed to say no, and give other people in your life permission to say no. Like, let's let's give each other permission to be human. If that person did not come to your party, may, it's not because, like, they don't like you. Maybe they're just exhausted, just like you, right? Let each other be human. Like, dear God, this Christmas season, let's have mercy on the introverts, right? It's crazy enough this season, and I know all you introverts are silently, like, cheering me on right now, right? Like, yeah, we, dear God, we can't keep up. Like, we weren't made for everything. There is a Difference between noise and song, and according to Jesus, grace is way more of a song. I don't need more time, I need more rhythm. What if you played only the good notes? What if your Christmas had a cadence, right? Because Jesus does not just want to add another thing to your to-do list. He wants to give you rest and peace in the middle of your to-do list. He is not a supplement. He is a savior. And he's not here just to improve parts of your life. He is here to give you a new life and a new way of carrying that life. And if hurry is the greatest enemy of that, then you must, you must, if Jesus would, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And so maybe that's turning your phone off for an hour a day, right? Maybe that's tomorrow. You go grocery shopping and you purposefully stand in the longest line. And then you don't even look at your phone. You just stand there, bored, right? Like fight the hurry sickness that you feel in your soul. Drive the speed limit this week. See how that makes you feel. I think, uh, but I think, man, the greatest way maybe to combat hurry sickness is, is to get back to the Great Commission and the purpose for why you're even here in the first place, right? Like invite, invite somebody to a Red Rocks Christmas service. Like it's the, it's the easiest, in, like this church is the easiest place to invite friends to. It really is. And and the Christmas service is going to be awesome. And people feel like obligated to go to church anyways. Like extend an invitation to them, right? Like if you are if you feel bored or stagnant in your faith, I promise you nothing will make you come alive like trying out the Great Commission. You are God's plan for your friends and your family and your coworkers and that barista at Starbucks. Like I love the Christmas season. I love the lights. I love the trees. I love the presents. I love the lattes. I think Jesus would love it too. I think his house house would be clark griswold's house on the street right like like he's better at us than everything that he would just have to have that house but but there is nothing that compares to participating in the same mission and story that jesus came into this world as a baby to write in the first place invite like you want to slow down your soul have a 15-minute conversation with somebody at work this week where you just ask them questions and listen and then say, hey, what are you doing for Christmas Eve for church? You want to come? You want to come to church with me and hear about Jesus with me? I promise you, man, that'll ignite something in your spirit. It's what you were made for, right? Next year, for the next 365 days, I, I've, I've made a new rule for myself. I am no longer allowed to use the word busy when people say, hey, Doug, how you doing? I'm no longer allowed to use the word busy. Jesus was busy, but I don't think Jesus used it as a badge of honor, right? Jesus was busy, but he was also not hurried, but rather relaxed. He enjoyed life, enjoyed good meals and good friends and good conversations. He was present in the season that he was in, right? Present in the season. So in the spirit of buddy, just because everybody else is doing it this way doesn't mean that we necessarily have to or should in the first place. So for you, what does it look like to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life this Christmas because, man, I believe if you, if you try, I think that you'll have a different Christmas season because of it. I really do. Don't miss this. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. God, we live in a busy world. We just do. And it is what it is, but we do not have to have hurried souls on the inside in this world. So for every person listening to this right now, speak to them, speak to me, speak to us individually about how we can eliminate hurry from our lives. As to not miss you, Jesus, in the present moment, which is every moment. We love you so much. Thank you so much for the gift of your son, the star breather who became a baby. we love you. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Red Rocks Church, let's stand up and let's worship.